what if we do this the whole podcast? And if you're listening, you don't know what we're doing. We're being fraggles. <laughs> we're bopping our heads. It was just really funny that my thought process was, yay, we're recording a podcast. Oh, we didn't say anything yet. Oh, but it's fine because we do video now. So I'm like, oh, but not everyone gets the video. So not everyone <laughs> knew that the whole first five seconds of this podcast was happening. <laughs> I wish we could invite everyone to bop their heads along with us. Something about today, we both had the instinct that that's what was needed to, to get kicked into good. this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, there's so much that uh, we do with our, with our brains and our bodies and our hearts all day long. And sometimes just got to shake it out a little bit. Sometimes it feels so good to move in a way that feels wonderful. And in I a way think- that you don't normally move, like in a way that you don't normally go about your day moving. I have noticed that when I'm doing meditations for a class or a client, I really love bringing movement into my meditations. And I like doing it in my own meditation process. Part of it is if I listen internally, what might feel good to move and how might be like a a way that brings some flow, some release, so that I'm teaching myself how to listen to where the energy wants to go. Mm. Mm. And you know what? I think there's something really important about co-creation and knowing that we are a decider and a creator of movement, you know, that sometimes, especially like when there's something to feel, it's like, well, I know I have to let it pass or I just have to let myself feel it. But then there's maybe this idea of like the stasis, this like, well, I'll just stay and not move and let it move. But it's like, well, but the instinct to move actually is a co-creation as well. So sometimes that's you know, the, the process is always moving. It's, it's always it's moving. It never stands still. Gosh. Well, if you are here listening. We hope you know that this is the Create Podcast and that we are Kristen and Natalie. Well, you do now. <laughs> <laughs> now you got it. You're so silly. Um, yes. And, you know, we actually reached out. If you are not a member of our Create Facebook community, you can please feel free to come and join us. It's the acronym create c.r.e.a.t.e, create community Facebook page. And on our Facebook page, Kristen did a lovely post this morning saying, hey, we're going to podcast today. What would you guys like to hear about? What would you like us to share about or chat about or jam about? And so Kristen had some answers and we did not expect these answers. So we're delighted and we'll see what happens. This is what came through. So Jasmine asked if we will talk about love, soulmates, and relationships. And I think I said, do we know anything about that? (laughs) Making it up as we go along, figuring it out as we do life. (laughs) Um, But we decided yes. And then didn't Jen also have something she wanted to talk to us about? Jen asked us, why are we both so pretty? That's another thing that we don't know. We don't, we don't know anything today. <laughs> How I Genetic. was created. Genetic. <laughs> uh, the choice of heart. joy. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, it's maybe it's just in the eye of the beholder. Maybe it's just that Jen is such a loving heart that that's what she sees. She sees prettiness in us. <laughs> Shall we start? Wonderful with what we know about love relationships and soulmates. I guess so. Or what we don't know. Yeah. Um, I know it's what we came here for. 
And mm. real love is what we came for. I know that, um, you know, the Course in Miracles talks about that love brings up everything unlike itself. And so I also do know that if we come into this form, if we come into these bodies, we come into this plane, this place, this energy field in order to experience ourselves as, as love, then what will come up over and over again as we're learning ourselves as love and as we're learning how to give love is, is what will come up is, is everything that's not love. So I think that what our world has experienced, particularly in the last several years, is tremendous separation, tremendous feelings of how we are all different, how we are all separated, um, how there's me and then there's you. And I do believe that it's because there's a deeper calling for us to understand love. And it all starts in our relationship with ourself, our relationship with whoever we're choosing to be in relationship with, with our relationship with what we're here to create and what we're here to do and our projects and how we're, our passion, our talents. And so I think that as we're called to expand what we understand in terms of healing that separation in our personal lives and in the things in our immediate circle, that it's meant to have a ripple effect and we're meant to spread that out into community, into culture, into world. And I think we're just learning how to do it. And it does feel that there's more separation than there's ever been. And all I can trust is that if that's the process of love bringing up everything that's unlike itself, there must be a very, very deep call collectively as well as individually for more love, deeper love, a deeper, higher experience of love, which is why we're feeling so much of its opposite now. Yeah, well said. And I feel that what is coming up is we are seeing it more on the surface, what has been underneath. So perhaps we created the appearance of things. We created the appearance of happy families, but there was actually fracture going on. We, we created the appearance of happy relationships, but we didn't feel deeply connected. And perhaps what is being revealed is we're being able to see the cracks, we're being able to see the fractures so that we actually can heal it. And I love when you said we're learning. Yeah, we're totally learning. We're so, totally in school. We're in love school. We're learning how to do it. And that's what these relationships are. They're a classroom. Mm. And I believe, you know, we're often attracted to people, whether in love, romantic relationships, or even in friendships, you know, that are like perfectly fit to our wounds. It's kind of fantastic that way. The way that attraction works, I trust attraction. I trust who I'm attracted to. Often, I think there's a dialogue of don't trust who you're attracted to because you're, attra you're attracting from your wounds. I believe at a certain point, you could, you've done enough work to go, okay, I, I will always attract from my wounds. My wound is not going anywhere, but maybe I can have a more healthy relationship, a loving relationship with my wound. And understand, mm. just like I attract from my wound, I also attract from my power and my divinity. And as mm. I'm aware of my power and my divinity in me, I'm aware of my of the power and divinity in those that I attract. And I will consciously choose to see that in them. Mm. And I will consciously choose just the way that I am doing the healing work on myself, that 
the person that I love, the person that I'm in relationship is also doing the healing work on themselves. And then it's an invitation into story. Where have I made story? Where have I chosen to see separation? Whether that's in a work relationship, a collaboration, a best friendship, or in a romantic relationship. What's the narrative I'm creating? And I'm, I was really aware this week that one of my favorite Michael Beckwith talks of all time is called Your Law, Your Life. And I remember being, I don't know what I was, 29, 30. My little brother gave me this talk on CD. Once upon a time, we had these things. They were called CDs. We had CD players and cards. You put it in. So he gave me this Michael Beckwith talk and I was just learning how to take care of my body. And I would drive to the gym, a very new practice for me at this time in my life. And I would listen to this talk. I think it was, a, it was about 25 minutes to the gym. That's about how long the talk was. And I knew that if I listened to this talk every day, it would change my life. And one of the things that Michael Beckwith said in the talk is your law or your personal beliefs about life will show up whether they're conscious or unconscious. So if I look at my life and I see what's showing up, then I can see what I'm believing. So if I just look around and go, hey, what's going on in my life? I see it, I see what's happening, da, 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 da. That shows me what my beliefs are. And then that shows me where my work is. It's to get inside those beliefs because mm. many of them are unconscious. Mm. So when I'm not paying attention, I can start to watch how I create story and how the story, the narrative I'm creating is creating the separation in my life. Mm, so good. And I can imagine when I think about this in my own life and many people I've talked to and in many experiences that I've had, when you start to see the evidence of what you're believing outside of you, when it starts to show up in life, the impulse is change life fix life, <laughs> move life away. And I, I've seen this, you know, certainly in romantic relationships, whether it be myself or lots of other people I know, it's like, well, clearly the, that person is the issue. So if I get rid of that person, the issue goes away. And then the next person that comes in after butterfly phase is over, or whatever the case may be, it's like, wait, this person too? Wait, it's just the same issue in a different outfit. Wait, it's a different, you know, same issue in a different human. Um, and then I think that what becomes really clear over time is that we are the common denominator of whatever is attracted, you know? And so what is attracted to me is in the, the frequency and the amplitude of what I am putting out. And so if I want something different then I, you know, that I become the source of that. And I do think that healthy love is about understanding our impact, our responsibility, and our opportunity that when we invite someone into our life or when someone is invited into our life or, or comes into our life as, as a partner, whether it's a, you know, a project or a person, when that partnership comes as an opportunity, it's, it's really a profound responsibility to, to say like, my job is to hold the standard of what I am not willing to project onto that person <laughs> and, and that I will take responsibility that if something 
outside of me starts to become blamed for, or I start to feel victimized by, that my very first step is to go back inside and say, what's going on inside of me? What's going on inside of me? And it's not to say that sometimes you don't have to clean something up outside or say, I have to set a boundary here or something that's occurring inside this dynamic with this person or with this job or with this opportunity actually isn't aligned for me because they've got their own stuff too that they're bringing to the table, right? But I do think that our responsibility to healthy love is really being able to sort, to sort like what's mine, what isn't, and how can I, it it reminds me of what Jesus said through the words of Archangel Michael, like how do I let love be my armor where my own standard of love and how I love is the thing that protects me because it's the thing that says, I will not allow for that. Whether it's coming from inside of me out, I will not allow for me to do that to you, but I will also not allow things to be done onto me that are not in the name of love. Yeah. That's why I find that phrase that is used in relationship couples therapy I'm making up the story that to be really helpful so that I have the ownership. I'm making up the story that you don't support me. And I'm really stuck in that narrative. And I just wanted to air that because I keep repeating that narrative to myself or whatever that narrative happens to be. But it allows the other person to have um, to witness and to have compassion and then to share their own perspective. Because I do find that if I start making a laundry list in my head of what someone else is not being, that if I could just pause for a moment, I could go, can I argue the opposite? Mm -hmm. Can I actually see how maybe the opposite might be true? So if if I'm making up the story, they do not support me. Where's the evidence for when they have supported me? Oh, oh, here and here and here and here. Okay. So actually they do support me and they've supported me many times. Okay, what's actually going on? So is this, is this an unmet need for my childhood that's coming up? Is this a narrative groove that I like to get in around people? <laughs> do I like to make that, that story not only about this person, but maybe lots of people? Mm. Uh, and I do think that's where you know, we get into requests and boundaries as well. The ability, as soon as I notice that I am making up a story and there's something that I want to, there's a need that I have and I'd like that need to be met. Can I be vulnerable enough to ask for that need to be met? Can I, can I allow for that need to be seen and also take responsibility that it's okay if that need doesn't get met exactly by that person in that way. That my job in intimacy is to articulate a need, but there's an entire universe that is showing up to love me. And yeah, and one thing you've said to me before is about honoring and respecting the yes or the no to that request. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. That it's my job to make the request. It's not your job to meet it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if if we are in a loving, healthy dynamic, ideally, you know, I think we're we're making requests and then um doing our best to honor either honor the request or honor why that request isn't right for me. 
and yeah. just having clear communication about it without story. You know, I can't honor that request for you right now. I really appreciate you asking. I understand it's important for you. Is there a way that I could help you in a different way? That's not a yes for me, but I love you and I want to support you in whatever way I can. Just can't look that way. And, and I think that the dialogue around it starts to feel so vulnerable. Yes. And, you know, if not for vulnerability, then how does love actually get cultivated? Right. And I think people have to feel safe to say, no, mm. I don't have space for that right now. I don't have bandwidth. And their ability to own that no. And then we it's, I think, also a conversation of how we create safety for each other. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting in, you know, when I first had the baby and there was many months in there, they were just really tricky. They're really tricky to navigate. And you really start living hour by hour. You know, you, you even lose track of days because you're just, you're living between feedings basically and trying to navigate this dynamic and you really have this singular focus. And so many times uh, friends or just various people would, would reach out to me or call me or text me or want to come over. And um, they were inside an experience that they were having. And I was inside an experience I was having. So sometimes I would pick up the phone and someone would be like, hey, um, and they would start launching into some questions or, or start talking about whatever was going on. And I realized as so many times I would sit and not say much and listen and hold space and really try to be a good friend and then get off the phone and realize I was so depleted and then realize how manipulative it was on my part that I didn't say anything. It was almost like I just expected them to get, hey, I have a baby. I can't um, be available for this right now, but then realizing how manipulative it is to not say anything and then be upset with them because yeah. I didn't say anything. Right. Yeah. And to expect people to have an understanding of an experience that they haven't had. Right. So me not setting the boundary and then being upset that it got crossed. Right. And so really learning that, that first of all, I think there's like so many ways we just with that, with, with well-meaning hearts don't mean to hurt each other. And we do, we kind of crash and bump into each other and don't realize that we're doing it. It's like this uh, <laughs> romantic bumper cars. And I, I think that what I have really learned inside the circumstance is to be mindful of when I want to text someone, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst day, or this is going on for me. And to be mindful to say, hey, Kristen, I'm having a weird day. Do you have space if I text you about it? Like to yeah. make the request of, I need to vent. Do you have space to hear that right now? And then let you say, hey, I am so here for you. I'm in a meeting right now, but we can totally vent with each other in an hour. I'd be like, that would be great. You know, like, so first of all, asking, asking for consent, asking for permission, asking, do you have the space to hold my anger with me? Do you have the space to hold my sadness with me right now? Do you have my, do you have space to hold joy with me right now? You know, cause there's been so many times as well that it's like, maybe someone's having this big win or this wonderful thing in their life. And I'm in such a dark, awful place and they launch into it and I'm pretending to be happy for them and making it about me. And, but it's like, instead of just saying like, 
hey, do you have space to hold this joy with me right now? It's like, oh my gosh, I don't. I'm so happy for you and I don't have space for that right now. Um, Will you reach back out to me tomorrow? Or when I do have space for it, let's celebrate and let's do something really special to honor you. It's just not right now. And sometimes I think we think there's a rejection in not right now, but not right now is actually something that protects the energy and the hearts of both people in the relationship. And then I think part two of that is if the person hasn't asked, is it, or do you have availability? Is there space for it to then just be like, Hey, I'm so sorry to stop you right now. I, I know this is really big for you. I know this is really important for you. And because I love you so much, I want to be able to be here for you in a really authentic way. And for me, it's a not right now. But can we can we come back to this conversation in a couple of months? Can we come back to this conversation tomorrow? Um, or can is it okay with you if I let you know when I do have space for this conversation? And then I think it's really important. The third piece of this is when someone says not right now, can I honor and respect the not right now the same way I would respect the yes or the no so that we can really create trust and safety that I know in relationship with you that you'll never say yes when you don't mean it. Yeah. I know in relationship with you that you will be utterly authentically honest with me about where you are and what you're available for. So when you are there, I can just be, and, and it helps me to relax and feel free in our dynamic. And when you can't be there, I know that you'll really let me know that and let me know it in a way that isn't about me. So then all of a sudden the relationship has just this beautiful safety built in it. And I think that that's the way that you build trust. And I just wonder if when we talk about how do you build love, like lasting love, real love, what I feel when I see, you know, couples, I think like my grandparents who were just together for so many years, or one of the most beautiful examples of love I ever saw in my life is um, Mark and Fred, this beautiful gay couple that you and I both knew very well. Uh, in Paris. And uh, when Mark was dying of pancreatic cancer, his longtime partner, Fred, was cooking for him and caring for him in those end days. And I remember getting on a video call and Mark was annoyed because he said, well, I asked him to make me a lasagna and and Fred is French. And he didn't know that like Americans make lasagna in a certain way. And he put ricotta in the lasagna. Like who does that? Like I wanted like American cheese and he made the lasagna and he was so like uh, bothered by it. And I remember thinking, Fred is caring for this man 24-7, like taking work off and being with him while he's ill and while he's dying. And like, he's doing everything to make him happy. And like, and I looked at Fred's face when he said that, and he just had this beautiful, serene smile. And he said, I'm going to make another one tomorrow. Oh. And it's like, oh, love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's love. like, you know, love when you see it, you know, and what it made me think is that that long time love, that deep love, that real love is the love that doesn't keep score is the love that knows what's real and knows what's important and knows how to have that trust and safety built in over time where when it's the really big things, like, do you have space for this? Or can we talk about something really important to me? When we build over time, that trust and safety of that foundation, then, you know, 
when you make the lasagna wrong, it's not like the love goes away, you know? Yeah. And I want to say, you know, we're learning how to do this. So part of this is being really gentle with ourselves and being like, I'm going to get it wrong. Sometimes I'm going to love you, not the way you want to be loved. And I'm going to trust that (laughs) that goes both ways. So can we have generosity of spirit that we're doing our best to create a healthy relationship and we can't see what we can't see. So can, can we hold each other with a lot of gentleness and space as we learn how to show up and love each other in more healthy ways? My experience has been, there's a lot of ways that I know how to love that I think is healthy. And I don't realize until I'm in relationship, oh, oh, that might not be the most healthy way of showing up. And maybe what my partner is modeling for me is a really healthy way of showing up and being willing to sometimes sit with the discomfort of being with a new way of being in relationship and being willing to learn and being willing to make mistakes. Just like when you're working on a creative project, you have to try And you're going to learn through making mistakes. And I think that's the same thing for loving people. We're going to learn through making mistakes. That's just what it is. So can we hold space for each other when, when we know that the love is real, when we know that the person is good and go, you know what, we're both trying, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to sometimes get it wrong, but we can believe in each other. And we can believe that we're both trying our best And we have unconscious behaviors and they're just going to show up. And part of this process, this container we're creating is a place where some of these behaviors that don't serve us will show up so that we can heal them. Yeah. And we were talking before I was thinking of um, somewhere I have some growing work to do is, is to be able to say out loud when I have gotten my feelings hurt or when something hasn't felt good and being like, that's an act of vulnerability is to say, oh, this didn't feel good for me or that felt uncomfortable instead of just pulling away. And something that I can, I can see in myself is that it feels so uncomfortable sometimes to say, I got my feelings hurt here, that what I'd rather do sometimes is just like turtle up go in a shell, pull away. And it's not fair to the other person because then they're left going, what happened? What, what, yeah. what went wrong here? Or not even be aware that they could mend it if, if, if they knew. If they knew, if they were communicated with. Well, sometimes I do think that's something really to be aware of is, you know, if, if I'm living out a core belief system that says, I'm, I'm just always alone. I, I always end up alone or like, I always end up feeling alone or even when I'm in relationship, I, I, I end up feeling alone or I, you know, I end up not getting my needs met. You know, if that, if that feels real and that's a core belief, that's like real in the underbelly, then sometimes we will weaponize love unconsciously by withholding, you know, when there's a need or when there's a request so that we can then prove uh, in psychology, we call it a confirming belief. We end up confirming the core belief to be true. See, 
see how they weren't there for me, see how I ended up alone. But we don't realize that there was almost like a co-creation of that aloneness because maybe I didn't say the hard thing out loud or the scary thing out loud, or I didn't include someone, or I assumed they wouldn't have wanted to be there for me, or I assumed they wouldn't have done it in the way I would have needed. So I just go ahead and withhold in advance. And, you know, this is why I think it was really beautiful how you said it earlier about we we often don't love people the way they need to be loved. We love people the way we want to be loved. And I, I do think one of the biggest lessons in partnership is, it, and I, I mean, the way that I see it most clear is when you talk about love languages, these, these five love languages that, you know, many people have heard of that. It's like, what's your love language? And it's often really interesting that what you discover is you and your partner of different love languages, right? So even with my husband, he always used to do these things like he just wanted to cuddle me and give me kisses all the time. And he wanted to just snuggle and it was so important to him. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, because I'm like, man, if you wash the dishes for me, you do the laundry, man, that is love to me because I'm an acts of service girl, right? So here I am running around doing all these acts of service for my husband. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I mean, that was nice. Like, whatever, you know, it's nice that she did that. She didn't have to. When he's dying for me to just hug him and snuggle him and, you know, but that's not my love language, but he, you know, he's a, so it's just really interesting how we end up trying to give someone else what our job is to give ourselves. And then really the value of saying, and how does this person love to be loved? And then I get to give that to them. I get to give that to them as a gift, not because it's a need that needs to be filled in me and not in the transaction of, well, maybe if I love them enough that they'll then do something to make me feel loved, that I'm giving myself the fulfillment of my own needs. I'm coming into this thing full, um, knowing how to meet my needs, knowing how to communicate them, knowing how to see and hear and listen to myself, knowing how to validate myself. And so then that person gets to just shower me with whatever could feel good, could feel like, like whatever could feel like a bonus. And I think that sometimes when we get into transaction with love, that's, and, and it happens all the time with our careers, it happens all the time with our projects, like because this audition I did was so good because the script I wrote, I put so much work into it, like something better come back. And I love when Elizabeth Gilbert talks about like the second I'm done writing it, it doesn't belong to me anymore. When I, when I'm done writing it, it's, it's gone. When, when it goes to the audience, it's none of my business. Like what people think of it, if I make any money with it, it none of that is for me. The project is only mine while I'm creating it. And then I give it away. And I think that something to be really mindful about if we're really looking at finding and cultivating true authentic love is being very, very careful. Who is there a transaction here? Yes. Oh my goodness. Have I started keeping score? Am I, am I really too? Am I, am I trying to get, you know, am I in that energy of get of, I want, I want, I want. And when we do that with life and then when we do that with our partners, that um, that energy of I am owed, I am owed. And we put ourselves in that victim spot. In, in terms of love languages, I just think this is such a funny story. So like you with my partner, we have totally different love languages. 
And I, I am a words of affirmation girl. I love to give them anyone in my life. I will tell you how great you are all day long. I love to love through words. I love to praise. I love to adore. And I love to receive words of affirmation. So be making requests. I have definitely asked my partner for words of affirmation. And he goes, <laughs> why would you want validation to come from outside of yourself? why that only will hook you on looking outside of yourself to know who you are and to source your sense of self-worth. That doesn't seem healthy to me. Like, <laughs> and so his way of loving me is going, no, source your, source your sense of pride and self-worth from within. Like that is the way that he loves me is showing me that I don't need to get it from outside of myself, which is probably actually <laughs> what I need. <laughs> But it's his refusal. No, there's no way I'm doing that for you. Um, and uh, and, oh, and that cracks me up. Oh, it's the funniest thing ever. And all I, the, the only thing that works is to see it as it's to him the most loving act is to be honest. It's just to be honest about self worth. <laughs> and um, oh, it just cracks me up to no end. And all I can do is accept it and also realize that he does not like it when I give him compliments or praise him. It's just not his jam. Yeah. In a way, in a little bit, I, I wonder, or I make up, I, I create the narrative that it might seem like, like manipulation, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, it almost kind of like doesn't feel comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, um, but like that he loves in this way that's like steadfast and like, yeah showing up and like congruent action. And, uh, and mm. I, and I actually, I, I make also up the narrative that he, that's what he would love to see from me a little bit more is congruent action, like mm. in every my life. And I feel like that's something he mirrors for me, you know? Well, and I think that that's beautiful in relationship to what you said, you know, uh, earlier, it's, it's, it's just really about what am I collecting evidence for? And I can collect evidence for how he doesn't give me words of affirmation or he doesn't do this thing that I wanted. Or I could collect evidence of like, oh, here's how he's a really great partner that's teaching me things, that's showing me things, um, that's meeting needs I don't even know I have in an interesting way. You know, it's 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 people, people show up inside the containers that we build for them, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my dad often said to me, you know, that it was really important not to try to motivate through criticism or because, you know, it's impossible to do so. It's, it's, you know, if you, if you want to uplift someone, then you encourage them, you don't criticize them and hope that they then through your critique somehow finds their way to their mastery. It's like, they will find their, their way there by affirming what's working, affirming what's good. Hey, I just want to point out how much this meant to me. I just want to point out how great this felt when this happened. And you know, it's just so often easy to focus on what I'm not getting or what I wish looked different. And we do it with ourselves as well. You know, it's like, this is why I hate the whole idea about New Year's resolutions. It's like, there's a deficit in me. There's a way I failed. There's a way I'm not enough. And so now I have to course correct and I have to fix it. And I have to make all these grand gestures to make myself better. But it's really like it's, it's operating from this defectiveness 
as opposed to saying, hey, what was beautiful about last year? How am I proud that I showed up last year? And then from all of these places of just really acknowledging, you know, who I've been and what I've come through and all these wonderful things, these learnings, you know, and then saying, who do I get to be now? Who do I want to be now? What am I inspired to be now? Not what do I have to be because I'm so mad at myself for what I haven't been yet. Yes. And we can watch what our inner dialogue does. And in my experience, whatever I'm doing to myself in my inner dialogue, I will also do to those that get close to me. Mm. So if I practice being loving and gentle and kind and congruent with myself, then I'll do those behaviors with those that are close to me. Mm. And I do think one of the reasons we project onto people is because it's hard to see it in ourselves. So in our closest, most intimate relationships, it almost becomes the safe place to project. And when we can own those projections and see that we've done them, and then what's that invitation that's, that's here in my relationship with myself? I'm projecting it over there, but actually what is needed here? Mm. You know, what do I need mm. to do here? You know, that also makes me think about part of Jasmine's question about soulmates, you know, talking about soulmates. I think that we do have this sort of concept, this idea that a soulmate is just this amazing uh, connection and it's your person and it's like the stars aligned and there's like the sacred union and, um, and, you know, something that I think about that is, yeah, that, that's an interesting and cool way to think about that, but that doesn't necessarily equal that that's a harmonious relationship, you know, that sometimes maybe the soul contract is that our souls have such a deep connection and a deep love and a deep trust that will actually come in human form and trigger each other yeah, and will come into human form and seem like enemies will come into human form and, um, you know, seem like we bring out the worst in each other or, you know, because there's so much trust between that soul connection that those souls almost come in making the contract of, we have such a, a foundation of trust and safety with each other that it might look different in the human plane, that it, it might look like really triggering each other and really mirroring things the other one doesn't want to see. Yeah, and so I've, sometimes I think this idea of soulmate is supposed to be this like happy, joyful, you know, uh, movie version. Running through the flowers. <laughs> yeah. But, but sometimes I think that, and maybe it does, maybe it does feel that way. Maybe for some souls, that is the experience, but I think we just want to not make it a one size fits all that, uh, you know, when I think about my soulmates, they've been sometimes some, some of the, of the, the humans that I've, I feel like we've heard each other the most. We've had yeah. the most to work through the most um, difficulties as well. Yeah. We've, we've come to help each other to grow and to see where there's room to grow. Yeah. And can I hold that when I ha I'm lucky enough to have an experience that's really intense with someone and has shown me my shadow, shown me that it disowned parts of myself, shown me what there is to love and to heal and to accept and to integrate. Um, can I 
can I honor those relationships as this, this is what I needed to grow or to evolve into the next level of who I am and, um, and be willing to heal the separation inside of ourselves so that we can then heal it in our relationships. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, part of, part of the reason, like why shadow work is so popular right now is it's because it's of that healing of this, the separation of self. And when we can do that for ourselves, then I think then we can do that in our, in our relationships. We also start to have more forgiveness um, for others, the more that we own all those disowned parts of ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? I think that if it's, if, if what we're looking for is to attract love or to, to find love, or we, we feel like there's a lack of love, you know, I think the most powerful place to start is I am going to like romance the shit out of myself. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to treat myself in a way that feels like love. Um, and I think that is the way I speak to myself, the way I treat my feelings, the way I listen to my own feelings, like the space that I hold for myself, um, the quality of life I'm willing to give myself, you know, um, and, and maybe it's even as simple as like making that list of what you think that that love would really look like and really feel like and be like, okay, so my job is clear from the inside out, make all of those things present right here, right now, without that person, because the healthiest relationship you could ever walk into is the one where you're already responsible for all of those things. And it's already right. present where you fill yourself up, you date yourself, you seduce yourself, you take yourself out you write love letters to yourself you find the way to be your own love object and to really show up and offer yourself that deep deep love and part of that I believe is understanding how you want to be loved and then showing yourself that you can create that for yourself mm. over and over and over again. And then that's the relationship that you can never lose. Yeah. I, yeah. And then I have three ideas, three quick ideas for if you are in a romantic partnership. And I don't, I don't know, I don't think I'm the authority to, to have anything to say about this. <laughs> but um th these are things that these are things that I practice that feel like they help the love that's that's in my life with my partner. Um the the first one is something that my dad always said, which is solve the problem, maintain the relationship. Mm -hmm. So if we can be teammates and say like, whatever the problem is, it's not you against me. It's not me against you. Whatever, whatever the issue is, it's like team us and us as a team are going to look at this thing and figure it out, you know? So it can be easy to say like, well, you're this way with money and I'm this way. And so you're the problem. It's like, well, we we have a problem with money and we together are going to find the solution and, and trying to have that, that team mentality that seems to be helpful, a helpful way to, to, to cultivate love. Uh, the other thing that works is when you're really angry at each other and you really want to have it out, you get your bare feet and you go stand in the bathtub together because all of a sudden it becomes absurd. All of a sudden it becomes silly. All of a sudden it becomes a comedy. Like all of a sudden it's like, 
the things that I really feel like I need to say, and I need you to hear feel so different when I'm standing in a bathtub with you. And so it brings this like levity and lightness. Sometimes it brings a breath that brings a space between how angry I am or whatever I'm feeling. And then we can find each other again in the same kind of joy or humor that we had at the beginning of our love before we were in these places. It can remind us of the the people that we were before, (laughs) before this was here. And the last one really comes straight from my daughter, because I remember when my daughter was born, no matter what was going on with her, I just had infinite patience. It's like, she's a baby. She just doesn't know how to communicate. She's just like, no, she's not, she's not screaming to bother me or to make me angry. She just, she's just innocent. She's innocent. I remember my husband saying to me, how come you're so patient and loving with her and not with me? And I said, because she's innocent. Oh, I stopped seeing you as innocent. I started seeing you as my perpetrator, as someone who's trying to hurt me, as someone who should know better. And it'll always help me to say, I'm going to assume innocence. I'm going to assume he didn't say that to hurt me. I'm going to assume he doesn't mean harm. I'm going to, and, and then I get clarity and then I can ask. And like, like you said, beautifully, you know, the story I'm making up here is that you said that to hurt my feelings, but I trust that you don't want to hurt my feelings. And I trust that we don't have that dynamic. So can you, can you explain to me where that came from? Cause it hurt. And, and I want to understand from a place of assuming your innocence. I, I just feel like those are little, little things that help with the love. Again, I don't know anything about love. (laughs) (laughs) We're all learning together and we're all teaching each other. And uh, it's okay to be in the learning process. Where else else are we supposed to be? And that also, you know, so funny, it gives me so much compassion for my parents when I think of them in the learning process too. And their whole marriage, they were in the learning process and I was bearing witness to it. And then I can look out to the whole world and go, oh yeah, the whole world's in a learning process. We're all learning how to love. We're all learning how to be in relationship. We're all learning how to communicate with each other. Okay, grace, patience, and then, and for myself too. Yeah, that's it. That sounds like love to me. Natalie, what fun offers are going on in your life these days? Gosh, well, I'm actually going to be doing this really, really fun love-inspired class. It's it's a chemistry on-camera masterclass. Um, you know, I'm sure you know as a director, you've you've um, probably had to audition people and have people all of a sudden on camera in audition tapes have to force chemistry or kissing or whatever circumstances are. And like, how do you make that real when you're sitting by yourself in front of a blue screen trying to feel feelings. Um, and so there's, there's some fun tricks and things I've come up with to help actors to figure those things out. It's just going to be a really fun class about chemistry and <laughs> on camera silliness. And that's going to be happening on February 13th, right around Valentine's day. So if anyone is interested, uh, you can shoot me an Instagram at miss Natalie Roy, or you can email me Natalie Linroy at gmail.com. And I would love to send you the information and have you come to class. What about you? What's going on on your end? Well, I've been up to some mischief. You have. Uh Uh-huh. I have made a video course of my writing teaching. So the course I've taught for like ever and ever and ever and ever since my 
twenties, not that, that, not that long ago. Um, I, that was only five years ago. So of course, of course Um, (laughs) I have filmed, um, it's called how to get your story out and you can, it's, so it's, it's by the time this drops, this podcast drops, it's going to be, you could for pre-sale so that you can pre-sell it before it launches and you can get a discount if you order it on pre-sale. But I just want everyone who has a story inside of them to have the tools that have helped me, the tools that have helped me to learn how to love and heal my own relationship with my creativity so that I can say what I want to say in the world and get it down on paper and deliver it to the world and how that's a healing process for myself. And then then all that healing energy goes into the work. Mm. So I'm really excited because it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I still have story space. If you want to come and spend FaceTime with me, if you want to meet in a group, so that's kind of a coaching collective where we're all working on our stories. But if you don't have time and space for that, or you like to learn on your own, you like to be accountable to self and you just want, you want the teachings, I want to make them available. So you can come to my Instagram or my website and get all that good stuff. Beautiful. That sounds like fun. Um, well, Kristen, I want to tell you, I love you. <laughs> oh, Natalie, I love you so much. It's so fun to love you. It's such a pleasure. So much fun. And thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do share it with a friend. Uh, please let us know what you think. And we'd love to hear in the future what you want us to podcast on. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for being committed to showing up for your dreams. If you would like to know more about what we are up to or find more information about our podcasts, upcoming retreats, or anything else, please go check out our website, www.thecreateseries.com. And you can come and jam with us on Facebook. I know we're still on Facebook. We have a Create Community page, and that's Create C period R period E period A period T period E period. And if you want to check us out on Instagram, you can find me, Natalie, at Miss Natalie Roy. And you can find me at Hangy Love. That's H-A-N-G-G-I-L-O-V-E. Keep on rocking your dreams, and we can't wait to connect with you more.